Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that pride themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or, hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley. Holy moly. Oh. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop from the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald and my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going today? Well, uh, it's going great. I'm not used to recording so many consecutive positive podcasts, but man, this Kings team gives you new reasons to to be excited every week. So I'm excited to talk about it today. It, it's it's definitely weird being in a position where we don't have to just speculate on trade rumors with the trade <laughs> yeah. deadline coming so close. Uh-huh. We actually have things to talk about other than that. So uh, uh, with us today to break it all down, he's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, it's the true pride of French League himself. It's Jerry Reynolds. Hey, Jerry, how's it going? Well, good, guys. Uh, obviously, I just can't wait to get started. A lot of little uh, topics, but most of them positive. Most of them positive. So we've uh, we've crossed the halfway point since the last we spoke. And all the Sacramento Kings have done since then is go 5-1, and one, tied an NBA record for most threes in a quarter, climbed to the third seed in the Western Conference. Uh, they lead the Pacific Division by three and a half games, produced the Western Conference Player of the Week in Damanis Sabonis. And oh yeah, just today they signed the brains behind this turnaround to a three-year extension. So that's not a that's not a bad two weeks, right? Tell me how you guys uh, how's the world been treating you guys? The basketball world how's it been treating you these last two weeks, guys? Well, for me, it's been just a lot of fun. I mean, you know, with all the activity, quite honestly, the NFL and the NBA really is, is getting <laughs> into good swing. I mean, it's just a you know a fan, uh, uh, just a, a sports fan's dream type thing right now, and of course. Uh, you know, for me, just the, the fact that now the games seem a little more meaningful for the Kings and and just the overall playoff situation. Tony, what about you? Yeah, I'm watching the uh, the Memphis game last night, and I think they started with 10 straight, 10 for 10 for threes in the first quarter. And I'm just like, this game, this team at some point, they got to start playing worse, but they they seriously keep playing better, keep giving me new reasons to, to buy in. And now as the three seed signing with uh, McNair to an extension, just a couple of weeks before the trade deadline is, is probably the, the smart move there too. So they just, they keep knocking things out of the park and uh, it's getting more comfortable. I'm getting more used to it, but it still is, it still is uh, an adjustment period to not having to be so negative all the time. I agree. Obviously we should, uh, we should talk about the big news of the day first. Uh, this afternoon, it was announced by um, agent Wojanowski that, uh, Money McNair has agreed to a three-year contract extension with the Sacramento Kings. 
uh, which lines him up perfectly with uh, Mike Brown's deal. They're also working on a new contract for assistant GM Wes Wilcox. So, uh, Jerry, Tony, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, just, just, I mean, hours after it happened, what are your thoughts on uh, Monty McNair's new deal with the Kings? Well, I, I mean, I think it's a, a great thing. I mean, uh, obviously, he's proven himself now, I think, to all of us. Uh, in fact, if you weren't. So, uh, yeah, I, I am definitely a big fan of this move. Jerry, or Tony, what about you? Yeah, I think everyone played this the right way. I, I give Vivek credit for not jumping into an extension too early before seeing some positive results. And it's it's awesome. Like it, it would have been obviously a bad thing if McNair never signed, but the fact that McNair did sign his extension kind of tells me that the Kings played it right on their end. McNair played it right on his end. Uh, I just mentioned it earlier, but the the trade deadline's on February 9th. So it's, it's great that they got it done before that because you don't want to make... Um, I don't know, long or short term moves when the GM isn't locked up. So uh, I think the Kings, again, they handled the situation perfectly. We've seen them give uh, executives extensions before they deserved it. We've seen them um, give extensions to players too late and, and you know, didn't hit on the on the right timing on a lot of these contract extensions. But this one, it seems like they really nailed. Uh, and it's I mean, McNair has done an amazing job. We've talked about it in this podcast so many times. Um, so he definitely deserved it. But again, just a little bit of credit to the Kings, too, for how they played it. Jerry, I'm curious as to your thoughts on the timing of, of the contract extension. Is, is this something that you feel like they they kind of hit at the right time? Is this something that you might have pulled off earlier this season? How do you feel like uh, Vivek has done in terms of, of signing Monty right now, just a few weeks before the trade deadline, rather than maybe waiting for a playoff berth or at the beginning of the season, perhaps? Well, you know, yeah, I think the timing is pretty good. I don't know it's one of those things to where you could always wait uh, and, and just see how the team does. And if they, but if they continue to do better, you you know, you might, you're in risk of losing a valuable asset. Uh, and so it's also true that if you sign too soon, uh, you know, you, you're not sure how the product's going to end up and you might uh, sign a GM that boy, you're sorry you signed uh, as we know has happened in the past here recently in a couple of cases. So I, I, to me, it's like they're at the halfway mark of the season past. If you're an owner and, and you're really wanting to say, you know, push for the playoffs, well, there's no reason to believe you're not pushing for the playoffs. You're third and uh, you're fun to watch. Doesn't, doesn't mean it's going to happen, but I mean, in my mind is, it, it, you know, there's just no criticism. To, I mean, people will, but they, they can't. They can't. It's the right time. The right guy. Yeah. Tony, as, as, a, as a fan from the fans perspective here, how surprised are you? If you could go back to uh, if you could go back in time and tell yourself at the beginning of the season, like, hey, this is going to happen. Would you have believed it? Would you would you have believed that not only Monty McNair got a contract extension, but it'd be on the backs of the Kings being a, a third third seed in the Western Conference halfway through the season? Absolutely not. I, my my wildest optimism would not have have predicted a, a home playoff series if the season ended today, which is what a you know a, thir- a three seed in the West gets you. Um, yeah, everyone's just done such a great job. Mike Brown, I think, has been maybe Monty McNair's best move, and the fact that both of those contracts now align as a fan makes me very happy because we've been on this carousel of GMs and coaches on different timelines for. I don't know. It feels like 16 years. I don't know if it's been quite that long, but that's how long it feels like where this, this very important contract alignment has not been in place. And now they have it. And it's the two guys who are doing a great job. So 
uh, if you can't feel good about the Kings right now, then then you're just not you're, you know, you're not willing to feel good about them. So and I don't see any of that, to be fair, like no one. I'm sure there will be criticisms for something at some point. But what I've seen is positive reactions across the board from people in Sacramento, from the national media too. Um, the people who are getting their flowers for how the Kings are performing have deserved it. I, I made a joke in the uh, at, at a uh, Kings Herald headquarters today, basically saying that uh, today would be the perfect day for uh, Monty McNair to trade Keegan Murray. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, ever, if, if ever there was a day for Monty McNair to pull the that that move, it, it is today. Yeah. So. <laughs> Okay, so I want to get into uh, just a couple of things that I've seen in the last few weeks. Obviously, we don't have much to complain about in terms of in terms of uh, losses. We can we can talk about the Philly game a little bit later, but uh, the Kings have gone five and one during this stretch since the last time we talked. And there's a couple of players outside of the normal Fox and, and Sabonis that I want to talk about and, and get your guys' opinions on. Uh, the first of which is uh, is Trey Lyles. Um, um, his play of late uh, the night our podcast was uh, our last podcast was released. Uh, Trey basically willed the Kings to a, a win in the fourth quarter against uh, the Houston Rockets, where he took basically what was a tight game at that point to a blowout went like five for five from the field. He had six rebounds in the fourth wound up with 20 points off of the bench. Uh, he ran off a streak of double digit scoring uh, for like three games after that. He had a lull for two games. And then uh, just the other night against Memphis, six of eight from three, seven rebounds, three blocks, 24 points. Uh, guys, just from each of your perspective, what what's gotten into Trey Lyles? Well, I think he's starting to reach the potential. A lot of people thought, you know, he was a first rounder and some people thought he would uh, go a little higher than he did. He slipped a little, but, uh, you know, one of those guys like so many first round sure things aren't sure things. You know, he was he went to Utah. I think that's where he was drafted first, I believe. And and, you know, they had just had guys ahead of him and. And so it didn't work there. So, and as Reggie Theus used to say, once you're drafted by a team and they trade you, nobody, nobody looks at you the same again. And, and so Trey's bounced around a little bit. Honestly, this looks like a perfect fit to me. And, you know, I think you guys remember the last time we talked, uh, I just felt like you got to play him more, play him, uh, you know, at power forward as well as center. And, and I can, and I, I have no problem with what Coach Brown does, but it does seem to me like uh, the way they're playing it, they're not playing with it traditional for offensively or defensively. And once you understand that, well, Trey creates a lot of problems, more problems than does Metu or, uh, you know, or, or Holmes, I think. Now, at times I, I would understand why you might want to play, certainly play Holmes, and I wouldn't be opposed in playing Holmes, by the way. But just because this team lacks physicality down there, I mean, at, and athleticism at times, Sabonis at times just can't uh, can't hang with some of the some of the real big tough guys, you know. So I went on and on here, but anyway, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's my thoughts. Tony, how do you, how do you feel about Trey Lyles' recent stretch with the Kings? I think it's, I mean, he's now peaking, but he's had a pretty good year the, the whole time. He, you could make, Casey's been their most consistent bench player. Malik Monk has had maybe higher highs, but some lower lows. Davion's offense hasn't been there uh, often enough for me. And so Lyles has been a, a steady contributor this whole season off the bench. And this last stretch has, has been his best yet. And it's exciting. The, the fit seems so good. Um, he's still young. So he's kind of, he came up in the same class as a lot of these guys. 
uh, he fits, like Jerry kind of said, at, at either at any position in the front court or even at center if you need him to. Um, he's playing a lot of minutes with the starters too, just to show how how moldable he is. Uh, it gives Mike Brown a, a real nice option there. And I guess my only um, issue with Trey Lyles is that he's a free agent at the end of the year. And he's he's becoming a pretty valuable piece of what the Kings are building off the bench. We'll see if he continues to, to play this well for the rest of the season. But there was a time where Trey Lyles was a pretty sought after young player in this league uh the spurs traded for him um teams acquired him because they liked his potential and they liked who he could be as a player and he kind of got cast off in the last few years maybe people sort of gave up on him a little bit but mcnair found a player here um i think he came in the marvin bagley trade if i'm remembering correctly so i think the king's got the best player in that deal uh so i'm happy i'm sure mcnair's happy and now they got to find a way to keep him at at a reasonable price Jerry, do you have any argument to that, that uh, we got the best player in the Marvin Bagley deal? We got the, no, <laughs> Tony is 100% right, in my opinion. I hate to give him all that credit, but he deserves <laughs> it on that, on that jumping out there on that one. I'm but, just uh, and, sound bite. Well, it, it appears, and we could all be proven wrong, but so far, Lyles is what they call available which is <laughs> very, very, very nice. The best very ability. Oh, <laughs> uh, now, uh, Tony, you mentioned this. Uh, he's he's done at the end of the season. There is no player option, no team option for for Trey Lyles. Uh, if you were to extend somebody like Trey, Jerry, how how much onus would you put on one signing him in the offseason, and two, how much do you feel like you, you'd give a guy who's coming off the bench like that? Well, I think you, I right now, I think you'd want to try to keep him unless you've got better options, and and I don't think they do at the moment. I mean, so that can change, uh, and that that itself would uh, dictate value uh, i think you know you'd really want to look around the league and kind of get a sense of uh who would be interested in what they have available uh, I, I i would be willing to guess that that you know uh, i'd be surprised at this stage because he's been in enough places there's not like these teams saying boy whatever we do let's clear cap space for trey lyles that <laughs> that that isn't isn't happening so uh you know he to my mind veteran minimum plus something would would probably pretty good shape sure tony he's making a two and a half million dollars this year how much are you going over that to keep him next year i'd give him a i'd give him a pay bump they the kings do have his early bird rights which should help them keep him but every team in the league or or almost every team in the league will have things like the uh biannual exception or the mle so he is a player that anyone can afford and that makes it trickier for the kings i guess because if you look at what he's done this year and the, the, I mean, everyone who doesn't want shooting from a big off the bench, he's an easy player to slot into any rotation if he's going to contribute like this. So, uh, and the fact that everyone can afford him does kind of hurt the Kings because it, it isn't a situation where, uh, I, I mean, it wouldn't be smart to overpay anyways, but it's not a situation where they can just overpay and keep him. The, the amount of money he should be making is something every team can afford. So he'll, and rightfully so, go to whatever's the best fit for him. But there'll be competition, I think, because he will be pretty available, uh, pretty affordable. Yeah, that, you know, that's why I would say uh, once you kind of know there's teams out there that would do that, then uh, go over it. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, especially in that would if he wants to stay. So, you know, if it's six and a half million that, that he's, you're dealing with, well, you know, and you want to keep him, don't let 500,000 or a million be the difference. Now, 
uh, it's another thing. Just his, he and his agent are saying they they can get twenty five million or twenty million. <laughs> you'd you'd say, boy, we've enjoyed having you. Yeah, uh, that that type of thing. So I want to stay with a uh, uh, big guys off the bench for the Kings here. Um, I want to talk about a specific game and then talk more generally about Rashawn Holmes. Uh, in that game against the Lakers that the Kings won, um, Sabonis sat with a non-COVID illness. Uh, in a very tightly contested game, the guy went seven for seven from the field. It's 16 points, 11 rebounds, two incl- incredibly clutch free throws to seal the game. Uh, he didn't play the next night. He's, he averaged five minutes and 14 minutes in the next two games after that. But, like, uh, you can call me crazy if you want to, but I think that even in the limited time that the guys just kind of looked more like the Rashawn Holmes we know and love. I mean, that's hard to tell in five-minute and 14-minute spurts. But am I crazy? Have you guys seen kind of a turnaround from Rashawn Holmes in the way he's played in the last in the last few weeks? Well, if you're crazy, so am I, uh, which uh, that – doesn't change anything i know <laughs> but uh, but i i i mean i think he's getting back to being rashawn and i think that uh, and i hope and I, I, you know i kind of wish that stay with him a little bit more uh you know i mean it wouldn't hurt to play uh, sabonis a little less uh i think as long as uh, you got a guy like holmes playing like he is he's gonna rebound per minute you know he's gonna you know he's athletic he's gonna be tough i mean is he going to solve all your problems no and and you can't play the same way with him but uh, as we've seen and i think you point out one of the reasons he's playing well uh they're not trying to play the same way with him basically you know he'll catch it and just move it he's not looking to make an assist and and kind of just keep the ball moving so i yeah i i'd like i just wish you know and i understand monty's predicament but you know for <laughs> from Romani and the coach, but for, for Rashawn to win the game, basically be the difference yeah. maker that you couldn't have counted on and then not play the next game or what, what? <laughs> yeah. I was curious about that. What was your, what was your thinking on that? Was there any sort of GM reason floating in your head that you're like, Oh, I, I understand from, from this perspective that Will and Tony can't, I know why Rashawn Holmes won the game for the Lakers, went seven for a seven, perfect from the field, played some really great defense down the stretch, hit two clutch free throws to win, and the next night it's like, we got to give him a rest. Well, I I, I don't know. Uh, you know, and I've learned a lot in basketball, but I've realized I'm I'm only about 79, so I, I, I don't understand that. Uh, you, you'll learn maybe as I, birthday. Yeah. As, I, as I age, I might get that. You know, the only thing I can think of, only thing I can think of is just, you know, Coach Brown really is a, a obviously gets along well with his players and feels some obligation made to him. And, and it may have just been a case of, okay, I think we can win uh, this way, uh, which didn't. But, uh, but I mean, as opposed to, and wanting to, to show Metu, he still has confidence in him, even though, and we know we need you, so we're going to make sure you get some minutes. And, uh, you know, I I can't say I, I – I mean, I don't agree with it, but uh, I, I, I can sort of understand it, and I'd certainly give uh, Mike Brown and Monty McNair a pass, not that the general manager generally is involved, but it, I'd give him a pass just because he had made many mistakes, if any. It's hard to criticize a guy who has taken a team that won 30 games the year previous to nearly 30 games before before February. So, Tony, what, what do you have to say about Rashawn Holmes in a sudden spurt of uh, of competence? I think he's been better, and I think he, he'll probably get 
a few more consistent minutes now that Metu is day to day with a knee injury. Um, and I, I, I think my think my my take on Holmes at this point is it seems like the energy is back a little bit for him, and that's what was so weird about the struggles at the beginning of the year. He just had no life on the court, and that is not who he has been here. That's actually been his his greatest uh, pro on the court is that he plays hard. And he's got a lot of energy and he's yelling, not at other players, but he's yelling at himself. He's self-motivating. He's an energy guy. And we haven't seen it for 90% of the season. And it seems like we're starting to see a little bit more of that now. So if he can carry that through the rest of the year, then that's great news for the Kings. Um, because that's that's when he's good. He's good when he's playing hard and and screaming from dunks and things like that. And when he's not doing those things, um, it's been an issue. So do more of that, Rashawn, I guess. Is this is this a situation, uh, Jerry and Tony? You guys can both answer this. You guys feel like this is a, a situation where Rashawn finally gets what the coaches are telling him. Is this a thing where the coaches finally understand what Rashawn Holmes, like the essence of Rashawn Holmes, is, or is this even something where the GM comes down and goes, puts a hand on his shoulder and goes, "We can't trade you unless you play well," and so step up and we'll get you someplace you need to be. But what, where where in there lies the truth in terms of what's motivating Rashawn Holmes to suddenly become Rashawn Holmes again? You know, anything could be speculation, and and except from Berjan, I think. But having having said that, I'm going to speculate. <laughs> uh, you, you know, uh, it certainly seemed to me it certainly had his issues last year. You know, with the domestic situation and marriage and all that, and certainly, uh, you know, it, those kind of things weigh heavy on you, uh, even when you're innocent and you know you are. Yeah. I've never been, but I can understand that. Uh, and so, but this year, I really believe it, it was a little bit of a pout. Mm -hmm. I believe that he lost his starting job and he knew it. And, uh, and, and I do have some information <laughs> is that, uh, you know, Co coach Brown to his credit is like, you're either all in or you're, you're not. And he wasn't all in, in my opinion. And I think others that, uh, which comes as a great surprise, by the way, and disappointment. But, uh, you know, I honestly think he's he's uh, back on track. You know, it, uh, good people make bad decisions, uh, you know, for all the wrong reasons sometimes. But, and, I, and I classify Rashawn there. And, and certainly the idea of the trade deadline probably has been good, uh, you know, for all. I mean, I, I don't know. Any more than that, but uh, you know, he he's a he's a legitimate NBA center, backup center, maybe a starting center on a weak team. But uh, just uh, it's good to see him playing better, and I kind of hope, I just hope that maybe he gets a reason to kind of continue be rewarded for, you know, playing with a lot of enthusiasm and productivity. Was there ever a moment in, in your time as a coach, Jerry, or or even as a GM where you had to sit down a guy like Rashawn Holmes and go, listen, the guy that we traded for, like Rashawn or DeMontis Sabonis is he's first in the league in rebounds. He's 11th in assists per game. He is ninth in the league in two point field goal percentage. Like, I know you're pouting because you want to start, but the guy is going to be an MVP candidate please knock it off. Like, have you ever had to like light a fire under somebody's ass like that because they powdered over a trade where they got moved to the bench? Yeah, uh, not not uh, there wasn't any Hall of Famers uh, sure. or any of that, sure. but uh, yeah, there's a couple of young guys that uh, you know 
that we had drafted knowing full well that they'd be good players or, or could be good players in the league. And, and uh, as Anthony Bonner uh, from St. Louis, like about 23rd pick. And uh, he was really upset that he wasn't getting more, more time at small forward. And I said, well, you know, uh, the guy that's playing there is better than you are. And so as long as Lionel Simmons is standing up, he's going to play a lot of minutes. So, uh, you know, and, and I, and I said, I understand. And you, you want to play more and you're unhappy about it. And that's the way you should be, you know, you, you don't want a, a bunch of happy guys not playing, you know, you want supportive players not playing, but not happy to not be playing. So, yeah. So I, I, uh, I think there's another uh, young player that I'd say draft, uh, uh, gosh, 14th pick it escapes me now, but uh, such a, such looked like a promising player, just too small. And I remember trying to pump him up a little bit and then, you know, kind of dressing him down a little bit, saying it just wasn't getting anywhere. And I, that's when it kind of like, you know, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> and and to, had moved him on. Uh, and so, and he was out of the league pretty quick. And, you know, it was one of those, draft mistakes which it was but traded for spud webb trading for spud webb so we end up you know for where he was drafted we got more production than we would have got yeah. <laughs> tony how do you feel about uh rashawn holmes finally uh uh revamping his style here i guess we'll we'll see if it continues but i do think if you if you're an nba player and rashawn holmes is i can see being pouty uh especially on the kings a team that has historically lost a lot of games but it's it, if you can't get swept up in what the Kings are doing right now and having that turn your, your pouty energy into just wanting to contribute to it, then, then you've got some real issues. And I, I so maybe Rashawn Holmes is just coming around. Like he's just been suffocated by so many good vibes and the beam and the, the national press and the attention and the way people are talking about the Kings. It's, it would be a hard pout to me at, at this stage to still have that mindset with so many things going right and, and maybe now he just wants to be a part of it because you you pout for 40 games and your position doesn't change, your minutes don't change, you don't get traded. At some point, you would think a smart player, and, and Rashawn Holmes has shown himself to be uh, a, a productive, pretty good NBA player. At some point, if you have any self-awareness or if you can read the room, you realize that this ship is moving in the right direction with or without me. And I might as well uh, try and contribute in, in the minutes that I'm getting. And that's kind of how, how I would take it if, if I were him. Um, you eventually have to come around. It, it, it'd be different if the Kings were losing. I think you'd still see the pouting and the effort issues. And you might get public trade requests and all that sorts of things. But to not buy in with what's happening here at this stage would take a, a special kind of powder that I don't think Rashawn Holmes is. All right. Well, I've saved the best for last here. Uh, and I'm going to start this with a question. I'm going to roll off a little bit here. Uh, what the hell has gotten into Harrison Barnes? Uh, I, I'm going to cheat here slightly uh, by including the Orlando game from a few days prior to our last pod. But in the last eight games, Barnes is averaging 22.5 points on 57.9% shooting from the field and 60% from deep on a tenth of a percentage point below seven attempts a game. He's had four games during this stretch where he scored 27 or more points and just two where he scored sub 20. He scored 27 points or more just once the entire season prior to the stretch he's hit five threes or more in half of the games in the stretch jerry tony please explain harrison barnes to my absolutely disbelieving eyes 
Well, uh, you know, Harrison's a really good player. That was uh, that, <laughs> and stop that, right there, perfect. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's one of those things. He's he's probably playing a little better than he is right now. You know, things just right. as when everybody's ready to trade him for chop liver early in the year when he was playing well beneath his talent level. Yeah, and so it's one of those things that you know Roy McElroy doesn't shoot sixty six every round. <laughs> you know, he and he goes a couple of weeks really uh you know not making the top 20 in a lot of tournaments so i i, I mean with with harris the only thing i could come up with and I, and I really might be something is you know with a new year new coach he's such a conscientious guy mm -hmm. i think almost to a fault he's trying to do exactly what the coach wants and what the coach wants is don't do exactly what i say just go play and and i think it took him a while and and then again you know, it took him a little longer to to for him and Sabonis to get on that rare wavelength that we that he seems to be with so many. And and here in the last few games, you say he's really getting him Harrison shots like he got Herder. Yeah. And and so, how's that for a summary? That's perfect, Jerry. Tony, follow that up. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna steal um a quote that our guy brendan nunez posted on twitter from mike brown uh, about harrison barnes and mike brown uh, said harrison barnes is irreplaceable from the standpoint where he brings a calling presence our two all-stars are learning how to lead they haven't necessarily been in high pressure situations and come out on top and hp has he has to be around which to me if mike brown who i think is like a, a chemistry wizard um is viewing harrison barnes as such a key piece to what this team has done so far and just the idea that he has to be around is uh, maybe a not so subtle message to make an error to, to keep this guy. Not only don't trade him at the deadline, but we need him as part of this core moving forward. He's also a free agent at the end of the year. So contract year is, is a nice motivator for, for Harrison Barnes, too. Um, but, yeah, he's been arguably their best player in January. And he's playing a ton of minutes. He's doing it all. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, again, another player who... That's his three point percentage for like 50 or I want to say like 80% of the year was really below his career average. And he's been so hot in January that he's back to a 39% three point shooter, which is just great production from him. And um, yeah, he's, he's made himself, I would agree with Mike Brown there. He's made himself pretty irreplaceable with this recent stretch. Gary, I'm curious uh, only because this was the next thing we were going to talk about. So I appreciate Tony pushing us right into it right before we can do it. Right. Uh, it sounds like Harrison Barnes has coach Brown's vote to stick around for a while. Do you see any situation where Monty McNair moves Barnes with the way things are rolling right now with the team? I, well, there's always a situation, but I mean, under any logical possibilities, you know, if you, if all of a sudden the Nets want to trade Durant for him, well, no, he's probably going to get traded, but but I mean, realistically, uh, I, 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 I'm convinced they're happy with him. I mean, they should be, uh, you know, he's, he's everything they, you know, they need. And uh, yeah, you, I don't think you could get anybody better. Now, now my, my thought on, the, on coach Brown making that statement and probably is a little different and not on the right, but I think he's talking to the fans. Yeah. You know, I think sure. Coach Brown knows they're not going to trade Harrison Barnes unless he's in favor of it. Mm -hmm. And so he's not worried. I mean, I guarantee you, I mean, he, he I don't care if Monty got a 45 year contract. Uh, the coach right now is pretty strong hand. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so so I, I really do, and I, and and I know that he is very much in tune to what's said here and there and everywhere, and how basically, uh, if you could get rid of trade Barnes for, you know, uh, Collins or you know, there's a, you know that's all out there. Let's face it, we've been part of. It. Oh yeah, uh, and so, but but I think I think Coach Brown has always been a little more in tuned to these type things than most coaches. I know Rick Adelman would not have heard a single one, (laughs) (laughs) but, but I think Coach Brown is different. And I think that's a strength personally, but as long as you don't let it get to you, but I think that's all he was doing was saying here, we love him and you best be loving him type thing. Yeah. I, I, uh, so uh, Kevin Pippen and I have gone back and forth for years on Twitter and, and, and we talk on uh, the Kings Herald Slack that we have and specifically about Harrison Barnes. It was always a sticking point for each of us that I felt one way and Kevin has felt the opposite way about it. And uh, I would consider myself a foremost Harrison Barnes skeptic. Like it's one of those things that like over the last three or four seasons, uh, there were times over the last few years here where the man played checked out. He played like a guy who he didn't belong on a roster of struggling kids and struggling coaches. And you could even see it in his face that he felt like he didn't belong there. I mean, he was professional, but for, for a team that was always just like a trigger away from resetting Harrison Barnes in my eyes was like, that was the asset to be traded. That was the guy that you could get an extra first round pick for when it was time to, to blow the ship. That was the match to to throw on the uh, to throw on the pile of dynamite. Uh, Harrison Barnes, uh, even the first nine or ten games this season, was averaging ten points a game, shooting like twenty percent from deep. But like all props to Harrison, all props to Monty McNair and the coach Mike Brown. Like that dude is not playing like the best, like the best player, like the best fourth or fifth player on a contender. Like he's playing like the third best player on the third seated team in the West right now. Yeah. And like, and I would have a hard time trading him and Harrison Barnes has turned uh, one of the most skeptical people that I know in terms of myself, the man in the mirror into an absolute believer. And it's one of those things that like, I could not be happier for Harrison Barnes and for the Sacramento Kings to have a guy like Harrison Barnes. So, well, well, you know, one other, I think with, with Harrison too, it's one thing I think is kind of funny because I'd heard people, you know, you know, critique him because he doesn't show a lot of emotion or very little. And I said, I think the one thing that's really, really helped him is all of a sudden you got him, Davion Mitchell, and Keegan Murray, three basically guys that don't show <laughs> anything. And so all of a sudden, but it's fine because Demonis and Fox and Malik Monk and those guys uh, make up for it. But I mean, I think, you know, to really compared to those other two, he's just a breath of fresh air. And, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Harrison, he smiles every now and then as opposed to Keegan. And I love those guys. I, I tell you what, I, you know, just play the game, just play the next play. Uh, you can't get enough of, and they're all three like that. Oh yeah, they absolutely are. I hadn't, I had never thought about that, Jerry, but you're absolutely right. We have an all stoned face team. <laughs> we need to play the all stone face lineup and see how that works for opponents. Okay. So um, I, I, we can talk about Keegan Murray's rebounding. We can talk about Keegan Murray's uh, recent stretch of games. I just wanted to get you guys like, I just wanted to get your guys opinion on this last stretch for Keegan Murray. He had a 29 point game against Oklahoma city thunder. He's had two games where he's averaged 10 rebounds and 14 rebounds a game. He's just doing these things that he's starting to grow as a rookie right before our very eyes. And I'm curious to you guys' perspective on how Keegan has, has started to flourish in this turn of the new year. 
Well, uh, you know, to me, he's done everything that I'd hope to see, really. Uh, you know, his three-point percentage is where it is. You know, he's, uh, but his rebounding and defense has made enormous strides. Uh, you know, his instincts, uh, uh, he's got terrific instincts for the game. And so that, that really bodes well, uh, quick off his feet. Timing is good. Uh, you know, no, he's, you know, he, you want him still to, he'll grow and get, uh, stronger, things like that. But, uh, I guess in, I know in summary, what I'd say about Keegan's, I've always said, he's a really, really good young player. That's uh, very good and getting gooder. Uh, Tony, what do you have to say about the, the most goodest of the rookies on the Kings here? Um, Another great rookie wearing number 13 is what I'll, I'll start off with. Uh, but but uh, I pulled one number for Keegan. Um, among players who have shot at least 200 threes this season, Keegan Murray is sixth in three-point percentage at 42%. Um, so at 60% of the season through his rookie year, he's one of literally one of the best volume three-point shooters in the league at a position in the front court where teams are always looking for one of their front court players who can spread the floor and, and arguably no one is doing it better than him again as a rookie is, is incredible for, for how good we view Kevin Herter as a three point shooter. Murray is shooting the three better than Herter, which is crazy. Um, so uh, yeah, his shooting there, there are things that Keegan Murray still hasn't shown offensively. Like his, his offensive game hasn't been very diverse, but man, he, when the Kings drafted him, I knew they were getting a good shooter, but he really is at times looking like a, like a Clay Thompson esque shooter at, at a front court position. Um, just, just money. Every time he shoots it, I, I think it's going in, which is a great place for your rookie to be at. And he's getting stronger as the season goes on, which is another thing that you don't often find from rookies. The rookie wall is a thing that people talk about all the time. Keegan, if anything is kind of blasting through that here as, as players start to get tired heading into the all-star break. So, uh, Hopefully he can keep this up because he has, he has become a very, very valuable piece to why the Kings are playing so well. Well, he's a, you know, he is a perfect fit on this team and this team is a perfect fit for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, it really is both. So, uh, you know, I think, I think going forward, it's just going to be really neat if he can just uh, continue to improve gradually. You know, I mean, I think that we've already got a better player than we had a right to expect, I think, but I think he, I think all the best is ahead. That game against Oklahoma city thunder. Uh, he had 29 points. He had 14 rebounds. He shot five of seven from, from three. His only two misses were from deep because he was 10 of 12 from the field. That was one of those games where I, as a, as a jaded Kings fan allowed myself to believe for a second. And it was terrifying because uh, the Kings in my mind for a moment, there it was almost like, the Kings might not need to trade for their third star. If Keegan Murray can even play shades of that kind of game in Oklahoma city, they might've already drafted their third star and they're just kind of waiting for him to grow into his own. And that's a, that's a, that's a terrifying thought for a Kings fan. I, I tried to keep that yeah. at, at arm's length as soon as I thought it, Yeah, but it wasn't those things. At the end of the game, I sat there after the game thinking it was like, Oh God, if, if, if Keegan Murray is this good, it, the Kings could be good for a very, very, very long time. Well, here's, here's something that ought to scare you pretty good. Uh, uh -oh. <laughs> just, just really how, how much better is Keegan Murray as a rookie than Laurie Markkinen was? Yeah. Sure. I mean, he's better. Yeah. Now he's a little smaller, but so anyway, yeah, you know, I mean, and, patience is a virtue and, and, but I think there's a, there's a chance for him to be, you know, it's all said and done, you know, 
he certainly could even be the second best rookie in his class. Uh, yeah. You know, as far as value to a team and winning basketball games. You're absolutely right on that, Jerry. Okay, last last point I want to kind of make and things that are kind of standing out right now. Everybody knows this. I don't have to say it, but everybody knows this. The Kings are third in the West right now. The Kings have a three and a half game lead on the Clippers for the Pacific Division title. Not that the Pacific Division title means anything other than a banner at the Golden One Center, but like, I guess what I'll say is like, it, it to me, it's a shock. It's it should be a shock to everybody. And even if we talk about it a hundred times more this this podcast, it'll still be a shock. I'm curious as to what you guys think. Kind of projecting forward here. Do you really think that the Kings can hold this Pacific Division lead? Do you th- is there a time where you think the Clippers will come on with Kawhi and Paul George or the, the Suns when Devin Booker gets back or the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry? Like how 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 deep into the into the Kings cult are you right now that you think that the Kings can hold uh, the third seed in the West and a Pacific Division title in the balance? Or is this something where it's like, hey, we're playing really well right now. We should brace for impact plan for settling around the sixth seed and second or third in the division. Well, you, you always want to wait, hope for the best and there's sure. your third until you're not. Uh, and you beat the second team last night handily, of course, without two of their key guys. Uh, we, we all know that we don't, but that's injuries or injuries or whatever. Uh, yeah. I, I've got real concern that I can hold on to third because of just, just exactly what you said and, and the injury thing, because you know, the, uh, the Kings have been, and I'm knocking on wood here. They've been the luckiest team in the league that way, and uh, and they got, and they've got to stay healthy. Uh, you know, you know, to me, Fox and Sabonis have got to find a way to play 75 games. <laughs> you know, and Harrison Barnes plays 75 games, and if that happens, you know, they can. I think they could stay in the top six. Uh, I I just worry about teams that are pretty good that have some key guys out, unfortunately, like the Pelicans, yeah. you know, who, you know, the Warriors, you just can't count the Warriors out. Uh, I mean, and, and God, I just dread the thought of maybe the Lakers making some <laughs> sort of run. And, and you do expect the Clippers to get it together, you know, with Kawhi Leonard playing now. So it, through no fault of the Kings, you know, and that's what I'd say is, you know, just based on overall talent, some of these teams have that are, in my mind, the Clippers that are behind, uh, you know, if, if they fall to six, will I be upset? No, I never thought they'd make six when the thing started. Tony, there is a 11 and a half game separating the Denver Nuggets at the top of the Northwest Conference and the Portland Trailblazers at the bottom of the Northwest Conference. There is there is 20 games separating the Memphis Grizzlies at the top of the Southwest conference. And there is, and uh, between the Memphis Grizzlies and the Houston Rockets there in the Southwest conference, there's a 20 game gap between the top and bottom of the Pacific division. There is a five and a half game gap. Is that something that you think you feel like the Kings can hold on to? Do you reasonably expect the Kings to continue this? I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I, I kind of believe in the Kings. Now uh, I'm looking at the West and I, I don't, I mean, Jerry's right. A lot of this comes down to injury. Uh, Western Conference teams can get healthier, and that kind of closes the gap. The Kings can suffer some injuries, and that closes the gap. But in there, there have definitely been years where I feared the Western Conference more than I do right now. I'm just not. I, I don't worry about the teams that they're they're playing better than, and health will obviously impact that. But I think um, they're they're playing so well. Uh, seven and three are the last ten games. 
and they've lost those three games by a total of 10 points. Uh, they lost the 76ers by two, Lakers by two, and the Hawks by three. So even the games that they're losing with how they're playing right now, they're barely losing. They're seven points away from, from 10 and 0, uh, not to get even more optimistic. But uh, just the, the way, yeah, I haven't had this level of faith in a while. And that's also coupled with the fact that the West is just not a conference that, that I'm fearing at the moment. But um, injuries can, can obviously swing all of that. Yeah, I, I mean, hey, yeah, the other thing, too, that's like Tony pointed out, the West, uh, you know, I think Denver's a team you just, it'd be hard to say you're better than, uh, but I, there's, yep. there's nobody else that really isn't. I mean, you know, the Grizzlies are second and just deservedly. Now, they didn't have it, but the Kings are two and two with them. So, uh, but I do, I, I just can't get past, maybe it's just being an old cynic, but uh you know, I mean, it's like the, the Clippers, they've got a good coach and both those and the big ifs, if both of those guys come back and really play, uh, they, they can make up some ground. You just hope that less like the Warriors, you just hope before they get it together, you've got a five or six game lead. Well, we've discussed the third best team in the West. Uh, now let's hear Jerry talk about the best team in Sacramento, Sacramento Electronic Supply. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that prides themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or, hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Okay, we're back. We're going to roll now into our uh, Anything But Kings uh, segment. This is a segment I get to give uh, Tony and Jerry uh, a chance to talk about anything, any game, any other storyline in the sports world that they've encountered over the last two weeks. The only rule is they don't get to talk about the Kings. Jerry, I know you're itching to talk some football. So what do you got for us? Well, I'm just so thrilled about uh, Purdy uh, with the Niners. You know, I mean, he he's more than Purdy good. You know, I mean, yeah. it's a, one of those things, too. And, you know, the last pick in the draft, seventh rounder. Uh, you know, seven or no, it's just really an exciting story. And then, you know, it just goes to show you too, the uh, quarterback experts so often aren't, you know, and they'll say, well, yeah, you know, how good can he be? He was a seventh round pick. Well, Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. He turned out pretty good. Joe Montana was a third round pick. <laughs> I mean, uh, Brett Favre was a second round pick. I guess I'd be more inclined to be surprised if he, you know, if somehow top five pick was, was really good, but anyway, so that's why I'm just so happy for, I like the Niners a lot. Now it's going to be tough for me if they had the chiefs meet in the super bowl was my, <laughs> my, I might, my son might yeah. leave. I mean, I've always been a chiefs fan. It goes back a long way. I mean, I, you know, was thrilled when they were good and I was a young coach in Kansas city and you don't get to meet Hank Stram and Willie Lanier and some of those guys. I mean, it's like, you know, so, so, so there's some chief history there, but I kind of like the Niners team better. I, I do. I just have really enjoyed them and 
Christian McCaffrey's just a special talent. Debo Samuel, I mean the Kittles. I mean he's a he'd be he's a Scott Pollard of power forwards. Uh, but uh, so anyway, so that's my thought. Sonny, what about you? Yeah, I was going to talk about the uh, the football games too. I can finally watch football again. I took a few weeks off there because the Patriots were so bad. I kind of got sour on the entire sport. But these final four teams are all exciting, and I'm I don't know who's going to win either of the conference final games, which is uh, fun for someone who only kind of passively cares about football when my team's not involved. But Will, I don't know where where you fall on this Niners fan uh, spectrum, but I, that's the team I'm, I'm rooting for after watching the games this weekend, of course, mostly because I want my my Sacramento people to continue winning. And it seems like a lot of our fan bases is, is Niners fans as well. I, I don't have a particular football team. I was a I was a Patriots fan for a while when I was a kid. Uh, I the year I picked uh, the Patriots because I had family in the military and this night that I asked the one to go for uh, Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback. And then he wasn't, and they won a Super Bowl. And I was like, "Oh, this is pretty easy. I like I like this picking. I like this picking teams." And then after like the third one, I was like, "I don't think I can do this anymore." Like, I I, I don't know if you ever seen that picture of the actor Rob Lowe, where he's got a hat where it just has the NFL logo on it. Where he yeah, for all t- yeah. I just I just root yeah. for as much chaos as possible. I just yeah. I, I enjoy the storylines. Like, I'm very happy for Brock Purdy. Uh, I have a lot of people that come into my line of work every single day that that are excited about Brock Purdy. So I'm incredibly happy for him. I'm I'm happy for Niners fans. Um, I was always kind of the guy that if, if I, I had a bunch of Niners fans at, at uh, in high school and in college that were my friends. So I was always like, oh, I'm a Raiders fan just just to annoy them more than anything. Oh, I'm a Patriots fan just to really get under their skin. I don't really care. You know, I, I'm, I'm rooting for a good game. <laughs> Jerry, if, it, if it's Niners, if it's Niners Chiefs, I'll I'll root for the Chiefs. Uh, I'll kind of side there. So if you want to root for the Niners a little bit, you certainly can. You're OK. <laughs> Well, I, I don't think I'll be able to, you know, because I'm going to, I promise to go, I'm going to my son's house sure. to watch it. So, uh, you know, so, no, I felt we, but it, like I say, I, I think the Niners, well, good chance neither team will make it. So there, there you go. I mean, there, there's sure. nothing but good teams left. And, yeah. and so whoever makes it uh, is probably, you know, it's not sometimes about being the best. It's about being the most fortunate, uh, sure. you know, in, in, in any championship kind of a, situation you got to put yourself in a position where you can take advantage but oh, sure. you know if, you know it's like that game with the Niners if Kittles don't make that catch Oof. uh yeah it could be a very different game okay so mine's gonna be and this is gonna be a little bit tongue-in-cheek here uh I missed I missed the first three quarters of the of the of the of the, the Grizzlies game and uh, I went back to watch it later because I had it recorded and instead of getting, and I checked on Twitter and I saw this was a thing, but instead of getting the first quarter recorded of like, I was excited to see a record breaking quarter for the Kings in terms of threes. I got the national dog show. And so oh, no. my anything but Kings is I want to congratulate Newton, the Brussels Griffon for winning, oh, yes. for winning the toy group. I, don't, I have a dog that's a Brussels Griffon. It's they're a little ugly Ewok. And uh, so I was very happy to see that Newton, the Brussels Griffon, won the toy group for the National Dog Show. I'd like to thank NBC Sports California for allowing my dog to see his heroes uh, yeah. rather than seeing my sports heroes out there breaking mm-hmm. records. So congratulations to Newton, the Brussels Griffon. It wasn't record-breaking amount of threes and a quarter, but my dog was happy. And so that's all that matters on that one. Well, congrats, Newton. Oh, boy. <laughs> thank you, NBC Sports California. Yeah. I truly appreciate 
the way that went. Down. It's always good for me just to, to learn about people that are stranger than I am. Thanks, Will. Appreciate that. <laughs> I tried to watch the game, Jerry. I had it all recorded and everything. And I'm sitting there going, like, as soon as it's commercial break, we're getting to, to some three-pointers. And here comes Newton. And Newton Newton's breed is a Russell Giffron. It's the inspiration for the Ewoks in Star Wars. And it's like, get to it. Get to it. And it finally changes over. And it's the middle of the second quarter. It's like, oh, I hate my life. Okay, Tony, let's roll over to the Patreon. Uh, thanks, Will. So on every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question of from our King's Herald patrons. You can uh, subscribe at patreon.com slash King's Herald. Uh, every week we ask for questions. We ask one on the main show here, and any question that doesn't get answered on this podcast gets answered in a Q&A that we do once a month over there. We just posted one last week, and we got a lot of really good questions uh, in this week. So I wanted to ask a few to um, Will and Jerry on the podcast today. The first one comes from uh, Sacktown Smackdown, and he asks, if this team can lock in defensively, what's their ceiling? Seeing Fox actually play defense last night gives me hope that the team can turn it around. They've already sort of turned it around, but uh, Jerry, what what's the ceiling for this team right now? Well, I, I, I mean, I don't think it's possible for them to be in one of the elite defensive teams. They just don't, don't uh, really have what they need there, but I do think there's enough athleticism and, 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 you know, to get the, you see the togetherness on offense, I, you've got to at some point be a little better defensively. Uh, can they get, you know, three, four points better? Uh, can they move up to 12th or 14th? Something like that would be, I think, an amazing uh, step up because they're, they're so good offensively. Yeah, so you don't have to be. I mean, the Warriors have proved that. I mean, they were more than competent defensively, but brilliant offensively. Well, that works. And uh, right now, the Kings really are just not very good on defense, and they need to get a little bit better. And I, you know, if they do that, uh, they can probably stay where they are. Will I will uh, adjust this question for you slightly? How how high can the Kings finish this year? Assuming they're not going to make the NBA finals, but we all, we didn't see them fit, uh, being in third place either. So what is their fit, ceiling finish for you? Are we talking about just defensive rating? Or are we talking defensively? Or are we talking in general here? I want in general. What's the best case outcome for the rest of the season I, in, in a real world? I think they could win a playoff <laughs> series. Like I, that, that is insane. Like the, the will that I remember from the summer is kicking the front of my forehead yeah. right now, screaming, like, don't do it. Don't jinx it. Like, but like <laughs> I do like uh, the Portland trailblazers a couple of years ago, kind of went on a run to the Western conference finals with Dame. And like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's the, that's like the absolute, like, Oh my God, I can't believe they did it. They got swept in the Western conference finals by a much by, by the Denver nuggets. This is the best season I, I'll ever, you know, I've ever thought like, yeah, if they get swept in the Western conference finals, I I will be crying in the streets, happy about everything. I I do the realistic, like best outcome. I do think they could win a playoff series. I do uh, considering where, where they are right now, having a home court advantage like golden one center provides them. If it wound up being, I'm I'm, I'm checking here real quick. Like if it wound up being uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, or if it wound up being, uh, you know, if, if the Dallas Mavericks came to town, I, I could see the Dallas Mavericks. First of all, that would be a fantastic series, by the way. Incredible. Having Luca yeah. in Sacramento for the yeah. first playoff series yeah. since would be. Oh, man. And it would just be one of those things that, like, I could see them beating the Dallas Mavericks because you eliminate Luca or you contain Luca a little bit and then you 
let the rest of the guys cook and see what happens. But that would be, that'd be one of the things that I'm not expecting. I'm not, I'm not thinking about it yeah. past the, Oh boy, howdy in my dreams. Would I, would I ever wish this to happen? But I, I do think I, I can squint there and see a team that wins a first round playoff series. Well, the other thing is it shocks me a little bit and I, and I allow myself to occasionally uh, not be an old grump and think of those wonderful things. And, and just a couple of, a couple of years ago, the Atlanta Hawks went from being a non team to the, the Eastern finals, mm-hmm. you know, yep. so, uh, you know, and, and, and I really think, you know, the talent is somewhat comparable, uh, both at, you know, if you look at it at that time, going into the playoffs, nobody, uh, you know, was that high on, I mean, Trey young got his numbers, but, uh, nobody saw him as a guy that could, could be a key guy on a, you know, Eastern finalist. Well, he was, and, and of course they're not now, but, but I mean, teams, you know, can make real strides. We saw that, you know, we've seen that with the Grizzlies. Uh, so I, th- I think that's all, that's what gives me hope. And, and like I said before, I, I mean, if they're sixth, uh, you know, I'd be proud as heck. I mean, I would not be mad at them. They, you know, I think they're too good to be eighth now, but, uh, but, but I wouldn't want to be a jerk about it and say, get think everybody should get fired or something for being eighth. They said, no, they all should get raises and be because we all know what we expected so so anyway I, I just i really enjoy watching this team that's all I, I come back to saying that you know it's almost as much fun for me as watching jay will in his early days yeah uh, but you know that sort of thing where it's just such a joy just to go watch them and hope they win uh you know and as long as they compete and, and put on a show I, I i was okay with it and i still am so uh, there was one trade in the NBA um, yesterday. The Lakers traded uh, Kendrick Nunn and three second round picks for Ruri Hachimura. And John Catterson asked a question uh, around this trade. Um, he wants to ask for each person, would you have traded Terrence Davis and three second round picks to the Wizards for Rui when it was possible? Um, so Jerry, your thoughts on the trade and would you have liked to see the Kings kind of make that similar move where, you know, you replaced uh none with Davis and you get the three second round picks and then the Kings have Rui at the end of the day. Well, I think it's a great trade for the Lakers. I hate yeah. to say it. I mean, he really does have enough talent to give him an, another weapon and he's going to get open shots and, and a big that is very mobile. I mean, he's, he really hasn't played as well as his talent in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, being with LeBron, I think would have to be good for him. So, but we'll see. Uh, should the Kings have done it? Terrence Davis in three seconds? I mean, I would have done it because uh, it, seconds are seconds. It, I wouldn't, you know, if you could spread them out a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know, Terrence was a good player, but he, you, you have him and, and other guys, and that's why he's not playing a lot. And, uh, yeah, Hachimura would uh, would – click a lot of boxes. I don't know that he's better than Trey Lyles for sure, uh, but that wouldn't make any difference if he isn't, if he is better or as good. Well, that's just like having, that's better than having too many guards. <laughs> uh, Will, your thoughts on that trade and are you disappointed the Kings didn't get in on it or would you have liked them to, to kind of make a similar move there? The Kings right now are in a, uh, are in a, uh, are in a, uh, a position where they don't have to make, trades like we're in that luxurious spot of like oh we could just ride this out and see what happens 
And like, that's a weird spot to be in as a Kings fan, like Cam Reddish last year, when, when Cam Reddish got traded to the New York Knicks, it was one of those things that a lot of Kings fans were like, Oh my God, that's all it took. And like, even I was like, damn, I would have liked to have Cam Reddish for that price. Ray Hachimura is one of those guys that I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I would have loved to have had him for three, for three second round picks and a, and a, and a TD. But it's also one of those things too, that like, he's one of those guys that's not good at anything yet. And that could be that he's good at everything. And he just hasn't had a chance to prove himself on a team where like his strengths are kind of boosted. Uh, but that could also mean that he's just not that good at anything. And so uh, I have, I have high hopes for Roy. If he was on the Kings, I'd, I'd be excited for him, but like, I'm not incredibly disappointed that the Kings didn't make that trade. I can understand maybe even if it's for chemistry state sake, it's like, Oh, we'll just, We'll just roll with what we've got until a better deal comes along. But the price paid was not that much. And the Lakers do have a, a guy that has a lot of potential there. It'll just be interesting to see how much that potential is unlocked with LeBron or or if he's just not that good of a player. Yeah, I, I really like this trade for the Lakers. And I would have loved it if the Kings made it. Um, I like Rui. I think he's he's pretty talented. Yeah. The the times that I watched the Wizards, which is not a lot, thankfully, Um I've liked what I've seen from him. And I think he's also coming from an organization that you love to take players from. Like if, if I can pick any young player that underperforms somewhere to see if they would perform in a, in a change of scenery situation, the wizards would be near the top of my list. Um, so I, I like Rui. If it was another player and I agree with you, Will, like we did the same thing with Cam Reddish that, Oh, I wish the Kings were in on this, at least for this one, it's second round picks instead of a first round pick. And the Kings have so many of them that have so often turned into nobody valuable for this team. Yeah. They've just thrown away either by selling them outright or drafting the wrong players. They have not gotten a lot out of the second round in a, in a long time since Isaiah Thomas, really, there's been no rotation players that I can think of that the Kings got out of the second round. So, uh, and I think Rui is definitely an NBA player. We'll see how much playing with the Lakers improves his stock in the league, but I, I like that move for them. And I would have loved it if the Kings did that too, just because they have a lot of second rounders. They have not gotten a lot out of them. And I, I do think Rui is at the very least going to be a pretty good rotation player, but I guess we'll see, but he's in a good spot now. I, I like the fit with the, with the Lakers. So I think a lot of that is perspective. Like if the Kings were, yeah. if the Kings had 12 wins right now, I'd be pissed. <laughs> like I would yeah, be right. like, what yeah, the right. hell? Like, Oh, it would have taken like, but like we're sitting at third right now. I'm kind of like, eh, good for the Lakers, you know, over there in 12th well, place. Well, like I hope they're, hope they're uh, hope that works for them. Yeah. Well, I'm afraid it will, but yeah. that's what really uh, scares me. But, but you know, too, it's like on the, the 12th pick, you're so right, you know, uh, and you were, you would be right to be upset because if you, if you're, if you have 12 wins, Clearly, you need to you need to trade some people, yeah. and and you and there's no risk. Quite honestly, as good as he is, I think he's very good. There would be a risk, uh, you know, of actually making your team better. It doesn't always yeah. work that way. And so, I mean, I haven't said that. I would have. I would still think if it's three picks, I'd be like Tony. I, I mean, three second round picks, uh, you know, for a, for a proven player that was a lottery pick. Uh, you know, of course, I think that's why Washington did what they did. They, getting uh, none back, he was a high lottery pick. Yeah. <laughs> so you you got two mistakes going across the country. That's yeah. you know that's the way it's sort of viewed. And, yeah. and then it gets back to who got the best player. Well, I think the Lakers did. I have one more question here from Kings France, and uh, <laughs> this is a well. I'll just ask a question how it's been how it's been asked to us. Um, do you think it would benefit the team to do any trades considering what happened in 2019 after Shumpert's trade? And I guess I'll adjust that 
question a little bit, um, if it makes sense to do it this way. Jerry, are you afraid of, of messing this up at, at the deadline? Like, should this just be a don't make any moves, things are going too well? The the Iman Shumpert fear that if you trade anyone away, it'll kind of crumble everything into, into a losing streak or missing the playoffs or whatever the worst case scenario is. Well, I would be concerned. Yes, I sure would. When you uh, have great chemistry and everything's flowing, obviously the team's overachieving from what anyone could have uh, dreamed possible a few months ago. So, uh, yeah, have, having said that, yeah, for a, for a particular deal, you still do it. Now, it'd have to be one that you really felt good about. Yeah. And and, and the truth is that the, the logic then really – no deal's likely to be made because it's got to be such a sure thing and you've got to get, you know, where it is one of those win-lose kind of trades uh, that, that you should never count on. So, no, I'd, I'd be very concerned, but don't don't kid yourself. You always have to look at a chance of getting a significantly more talented player. If that's possible, my opinion is it wouldn't be possible. So it takes care of itself. Will, I know you're a huge Iman Shumpert fan. So are you worried about trading anyone away? And I guess I also want to know who is the best player on this team that you would trade away that you're not worried about hurting from a chemistry standpoint? So like, where's the line for you where you think this player is, is good on the Kings, but you're not worried about things crumbling if they, if they lost him. I saw that question a little bit earlier today. So I had a little bit of time to think about it and like Shumpert, while he might have been hailed as like, oh, he's the culture leader, he's the scorer. It's like, uh, like that man was averaging like ten points a game, less than thirty <laughs> minutes a game. He was coming off the bench most of the time. He had like three games against the Thunder that were really, really good, where he looked really, really good. And the most of the time, he was an inefficient shooter that like didn't do all that much on either end of the court. Like, I'm trying to think of who the culture setter here is, like Sabonis. Harrison Barnes, like you have enough guys here, enough culture guys, enough like, oh, these are good dudes that'll hold the team together in, in the face of adversity that you could trade somebody and be okay. I think the like Malik Monk would probably be my who's the highest I could trade. Like, would it annoy Darren Fox? Sure, probably. But if you got a guy who was a starting quality guy that you could bring off as a six man, okay, like fine. I could see Monty McNair doing that, like taking a season of Malik Monk where he's playing really well, where the vibes are good around him and swapping up for somebody better. Like, would I be concerned? I'd be a little nervous. Like trading Shumpert did not cause the Kings to fall out of the playoff <laughs> race that year. The Kings got figured out. <laughs> like they just, they were running around the court. They got, it, there was no secret sauce to the Kings. The secret sauce was just air. And once teams figured that out, I feel like that's what, that's what dropped the Kings to the ninth seed rather than, than trading for Harrison Barnes. Like th- that was not the mistake they made. <laughs> like th- there was many mistakes that season, but, but trading Shumpert was not one of them. I I'm sorry. Yeah. You can, you can trade a guy like Trey Lyles or you can trade a guy like, like, I mean, Davion Mitchell's averaging six points a game. He would be a guy that I could see like Monty McNair going, all right, here's another talented rookie that somebody, somebody has a belief in that I can get something really nice out of. That's enough of a sweetener on a, on a trade that he could do that. Well, again, would that make me nervous? Sure, because I, I know how much Jerry likes Davion Mitchell and how much he said, like, hey, at this stage, he's further along than Kyle Lowry is. Well, I don't want to trade Kyle Lowry, but I can trade five points a game, too. So I, I would not be worried about if they trade 
if they traded a Malik Monk or a Davion Mitchell, the vibes are not ruined and the shoot, you know, the, the, this team is not suddenly sinking back down to earth because they have better players than what they did in, in 2018, 2019. Like you're not relying on Zach Randolph. You're relying on the Montes Sabonis and Aaron Fox is not young. He is now a, a, a much bigger person there. You've got surrounding talent that works. So no, I, ha- I would have no qualms if Monty McNair decided to trade a, a six man, a seventh man. Well, see, I, I mean, at some point, uh, this team, you know, almost for sure needs, will have to have some additions. Yes, you know, sir. I go back to the early 2000 or late 1990s when Jay Will and Corliss Williamson and those guys, and it was a playoff team. People loved it. It was exciting, but it would have never got to be a 60 win team if you didn't make a couple of deals, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and so that's a great thing about making the playoffs. And I think, uh, you know, Tony alluded to it a little bit is that, that uh, you, and, and we've talked about it for sure is that you can't know what you need as much until you get there, get somebody that's better, you know, in a seven game series, you start saying, Oh man, we're not near good enough here. Yeah. Or, or we're, we're plenty good enough here, but we're not good enough here. And, and then try to solve it. Uh, doesn't mean that you can, you know, it's a, uh, Going back a hundred years, it's the old what Boston Strangler uh, Cedric Tony, uh, and and Tony might, and where Boston actually you know made a deal just because of him, because yeah. they couldn't deal with him, and they got Dennis Johnson, and he dealt with it, mm-hmm. and and so they went from being you know the contender to champs, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so so anyway, yeah, I. I I need to tell you, I I love this team the way it is. Uh, I I know things are going to have to be done to to get better. Experience is one of them, but uh, you know, talent wise, you know, if your goal is to not just is to be not just be in the playoffs once, uh, you know, you, you're going to have to to make some moves and some the fans won't like. And uh, you know, Jeff Petrie always said, and that's so wise if you. If you want to lead the band, you got to turn your back to the the fans mm-hmm. and the audience. <laughs> and I think that's where, and Monty McNair, I, I tell you, I, I have no doubt that he's up to the task when the time comes. And and I'd be very confident if he made a deal, by the way, I'd probably do less second guessing than a lot of people because I yeah. think he's uh, earned his stripes and then some. But, uh, you know, if he... Because of at some point he and uh, the coach would have been on board with it and feel that it, you know, and they feel that it would work for him. And that, that'd be enough for me. All right. Well, that's all I got. All right, Jerry, we're going to run over you then for the uh, Reynolds wrap up. What do you got for us this week? Well, this is a just thing just came up. I was reading a story about Pat Riley and uh, actually he's doing the, uh, the old fashioned three that Whitey Gleason and uh, mm-hmm. the Phantom and I started doing a little bit, having some fun with, but he had brought up, well, there, there was a story about Pat Riley and I don't know if you saw it. And I said, yeah, I did. He said, well, I know he, you, you really resent or you never liked him at all or something like that. And I said, no, I like, I along Pat, you know, I mean, he, he was always a good guy to be around. I mean, I, I know, knew him before he wasn't really Pat Riley, you know, I mean, he went through several transformations before he got to be the, the Pat Riley that we know, but, but I said, no, I, I, I think the world, I mean, then we got to talk about, but he, the real story is this, 
is that he made a statement talking about today's game and, uh, and, and especially Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, you know, talking about LeBron passing his numbers. And mm-hmm. he still says, you know, uh, probably the most, the greatest player to ever play the game when you look at the college experience and all that. And, uh, and, we, and, we, and, and it just came up and I said, yeah, that what people forget, he had the most unblockable shot. And as good as Magic was, and Worthy, and uh, Bird, or Parrish, or Mikhail, anybody in that time, one thing you did know, even as, as Cream was, was aging, uh, they'd hold up, Riley hold up five fingers. That meant the ball was going to cap. And, and he was going to shoot a, a half hook, sometimes 15, 18 footers. People never appreciate how hard that was, not only to block, but to, to make. You know, he did that. He did that. And as a person who's a close personal witness, I mean, you know, they can try to get a shot for 20 seconds, can't get one. Okay, hold up five. And uh, they, you know, I don't think there's ever been a player like him in that regard. You know, just the, uh, the what you call the go for sure go to yeah. basket. Uh, I mean, and he did, you know, for years, college, pros the whole thing and uh, so and then but the last point and this is this will get me back to being the old grouch that i want want to be uh he was talking about he said you know players in the 80s and 90s they really felt an honor to play every game that was really a goal Mm -hmm. and i and i I said yeah I, i know that guys and i and that we've lost that and i think i think the nba is gonna have to come to grips with it i really you just can't, uh, in my mind, the, do the Steve Kerr thing and pull out all your main guys against Cleveland after they played Boston. Now, of course, they won <laughs> with the reserves, but then try to say, well, it's just, uh, you know, I feel bad for the fans, but it's just something we had to do. No, you didn't have to do it. You could have played it. So I, as much as I respect him, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, it's, you know, uh, the the load management and rest and oh, you know sore toe uh, <laughs> back my back was a little stiff couldn't go today uh, you know that that's hurting the league that's hurting the players and it's hurting the league so but I you know he uh, to my mind he's you definitely make the case he's the greatest all around basketball man in the history of the game yes uh, and uh, you know he sees the same problems that we as fans see. It's like at some point, you know, great players have passed to do anything to get out there to, because of the fans. And, and now it's, it just doesn't seem to be an op, as an obligation, you know, and I, I think it's sad. I really do. Well, for everyone here at the Kings Herald, I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode. Uh, I want to uh, thank our patrons, especially for, uh, for tuning in and then dropping some cash on us every now and again. It allows us to keep the lights on, allows us to keep doing fun things like this with Jerry and Tony. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks, uh, with, uh, the trade deadline coming up with the all-star game coming up. we got a lot to talk about, so, uh, can't wait for it to happen and we'll see you guys soon. I can't wait for it to happen and, uh, keep enjoying this team. You'll just enjoy them. What the heck? (laughs) Thanks guys.